The following sermon is from Redemption Bible Church of New Braunfels, where we are proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology, in order to fulfill the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment. Turning her copy of God's Word now to Mark chapter 4. We're continuing our series in the Gospel of Mark today. After a few weeks that we've taken a break, but we're coming back to it. We're gonna keep working our way through these 16 chapters over oh, the next good while, but we find ourselves in Mark 4, 21, and along the way, we've been answering which question? Who is this man? That's right, how'd you know that? Is that on the screen? Yeah. Who is this man? That's right, we've been answering this question as Mark has gone to great uh, lengths here in a very poignant and urgent way to reveal to us who is Jesus Christ. And along the way, he has uh, used a method of very urgent, kind of brief writing to show us the impact of Jesus' life and message. We're not given much of the content of his teaching, we're just shown the fruit or the impact of what Jesus was doing and how that was affecting the people who heard his message. Those that had faith, those that had ears to hear responded with awe and amazement. They responded in faith. Many were healed of diseases and infirmities, were uh, were, uh, relieved of demon oppression. But to those without ears to hear, Those without faith, they responded in rejection, with anger, with rebellion. They hated, they even went so far as to plot his death. As they encountered this man named Jesus. And so along the way, we haven't seen much of the content of what Jesus has taught, right? But in Mark 4, we actually get a little bit of the content, his, his teaching in parables. And so if you remember back, you have to dust maybe some of the cobwebs off. Uh, when we began chapter 4, verse 1, we saw this first initial parable. And now what are parables? Parables are those kind of short, kind of pithy metaphors that make a spiritual truth about life. They're different than like allegories or, or fables in that they're just that those that just teach like morals. No, parables differ in that they teach a central spiritual truth to those that can hear. They, the reason that they're taught in such a way is that those who have faith can understand it, but it's veiled to those who are apart from the Lord. And so these parables communicate a central truth. Today, We have three that build off our understanding of the first, and so I want to read them now for us, beginning in Mark 4, verse 21, and then I think you'll see the connection, and we'll make some more connections and some points as we go. So look at Mark 4, I want to read for us verses 21 to 34, and those will be the basis of our study this morning. Hear now the word of God read to you. And this is Jesus speaking, and he said to them, it is is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. 
The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. This is God's word for God's people. See, these three parables are highlighting one central truth that builds off the parable of the soils. Remember, the parable of the soils revealed that once the, when the word is spoken, when the gospel is proclaimed, whether by Christ himself or faithful Christians, it falls on a variety of soils. When the gospel is proclaimed, it can fall on three unbelieving, ultimately unbelieving soils, those that are completely hardened, those that have shallow soil and the cares of the earth wipe it away, or those that get mixed in with the thorns and get choked out with the cares of the world. Or there is the good soil. But the condition of the heart, those who will receive it are known only by the Lord. Our job is to just faithfully proclaim the glory of the gospel truth. But where, where Jesus takes now his disciples in these three parables is to highlight this one central truth, and it's this. We're either growing or dying in the faith. We are either growing or dying in the faith. There is no in-between. And so with the understanding of Jesus' first parable, he stacks these other three to help the, the spiritual truth continue on. How do we know if we're growing? How do we know if our heart is good soil? Are there any indicators that the scripture would give us to know if we are actually in the faith and growing in the faith? It also, does the scripture give us any indicators of the people that we've shared the gospel with, our own children, our neighbors, our coworkers, are they actually in the faith? See, we're either growing or dying. There is no in-between. Either you've embraced the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the understanding here that Christ is holy, God is holy, he is the creator, and yet our sin separates us. But Christ came. Christ came and lived the life that we couldn't live died the death that we were supposed to live and stood in our place. And when we hear that, we respond in repentance and faith saying, yes, I believe that. That is the only way I can be made right, declared righteous before God. And now, after I repent and believe, I now walk in newness of life here on this earth and also with a great hope and expectation for the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. Have you embraced him? Are you growing in it? Well, how do we know what indicators are given? Well, that's what these parables teach us. Let's look at the first one now, this parable of the lamp here. Here's indicator number one, are we shining brighter? 
Are we shining brighter? Jesus gives this very uh, common illustration. He, he puts before them a lamp. And now in those days, a lamp was different than ours. You know, maybe you got up this morning and you went and you turned that little like black knob in there, right? Isn't it like a pain in the butt when, when those little black knobs break off? It's like, how do you like, there's a little plastic piece in there and I mean, you have to get a whole new lamp some, unless you can like somehow rig it up or whatever. But it wasn't, they didn't have electricity. There wasn't lamps like that. In those days, they had like jars with oil in it, okay? And then they would put a wick and they would burn and they would set it like on a stand like this. And children, what does a lamp do? What does it do? It lights up the room, right? Like it's, it has a purpose. We don't just light it up for no reason. It's lit for the very obvious purpose to light up a room. And so Jesus makes the, the, the kind of obvious spiritual point here that nobody lights a lamp and then goes and hides it under like a basket or puts it under their bed. What would happen if you did that? <laughs> That's right, worst case scenario, it would catch on fire and that would be very bad. That would be, that's, yes, children do not light candles or anything and go put it under a wicker basket or under your bed. Bad, bad idea. Not so bad, that's worst case scenario, but others, it would go out. It would lose oxygen and it would snuff out. That would probably be the better case scenario. But all, irregardless of those, it would be useless, right? We light it and then we put it under a, a basket. Maybe that was big enough so the flame didn't touch it or whatever. And, and, but it would be no point. Unless I guess you were like curled up under the basket and then you had a book to read or something under there. But it would be null and void. He's making the spiritual truth here that those that have been, whose, light, or whose life has been lit up by the gospel, so to speak, shine for the world to see. See, this is why we exist as believers. God has given us the light of the gospel in a dark world. Is our world just coming, uh, is our world just a nice bright place for the Lord? It's not, we don't have to look far. We, don't, we can just go onto our phone and look at the news and we will see that we live in what Philippians calls a crooked and twisted generation. Hear how Paul says this to the Philippians in Philippians 2. You probably know this chapter for its description of Christ and his humility and coming to the earth. You may know it also for that great verse on our working out our salvation with fear and trembling. But he goes on in verse 14 to say, do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. See, this is why we have been given the gospel. This is why we are saved, to shine bright in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. One of the ways in which we do it is, is a very simple way. We don't grumble, we don't complain. Like that's, that's, that's what unbelievers do. That, we can go anywhere and find grumbling and complaining, but one of the ways we just simply shine the light of the gospel is by not doing that, of serving the Lord with gladness, of embracing life with joy, and the joy that comes from knowing Christ. But here, the, uh, that's just like a simple way of how we, uh, uh, how we uh, model Christ's humility. But the, but the point of the fact is, is that we are lights. And so how do we know if we're growing in the faith? It's that our light is shining brighter. It's that our light is shining brighter. See, our, our faith is personal, yes, but it is not private. 
It is personal, yes. You have to make the decision to follow Christ, to repent and believe. Nobody can do that for you. You do not get to heaven based on your parents' faith, your spouse's faith, your friend's faith. You must personally do business with the Lord. But it is not a private thing. It will be seen among those who know you based on the deeds of your life, the words of your mouth, and your expressions of faith, especially in the midst of trying and difficult times. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. But this, this first parable goes on. There's a reward, isn't there? He says there's a reward. Sometimes prosperity preachers use this to, like, you know, if you give more, if you do all these things, you know, if you fund my jet, then, uh, then you will have, you know, a great and blessed life. Now, that's malarkey. But what we can see here is that there is a great reward for faithfulness in Christ, isn't there? Jesus says the same thing in the parable of the talents, Matthew 25. The one who gets the one talent, he, he goes and hides it. He doesn't do anything with it. He, he keeps it private, what God's given him, what the master's given him. But the others with five and 10 talents, they go and use it, invest it and multiply it. And when the Lord returns, when the master returns, he blesses them. He rewards them for their faithfulness. And he says, to much, whose much has been given, more will be added. To the faithful, more will be added. And so there's a great reward for our faithfulness, particularly in shining a light for the gospel. This isn't like some sort of karma thing where if we do more, we get more, do more, get more. No, 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 the Lord's accounting doesn't work like that. But the more that we shine the light of the gospel, the more that we uh, live out our life, the more spiritual blessing that God will give to us. What a great reward, isn't there? What a great reward, what a great thought of God's kindness to us. And so what is the, what's the command here? How do we know if we're grown? Let our light shine. Let our light shine as individuals in our schools, in our coworkers, among our coworkers, in our families. Like this is, this is how we make the gospel known based on the light of our life. People see the light of Christ and are drawn to it, are drawn to it. Let our light, let the light of the gospel, let the fire not be something that burns the house down, but is drawing people in so they can see and come and be warm by the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is why we live. This isn't just a personal thing here. He's talking about, uh, in greater uh, sense too, the kingdom of God. This is why the church, is, ex the church exists. This is why we exist in New Braunfels. This is why we've planted a church here to be a city on a hill to be a light in a twisted and crooked generation. This is why we plant churches across the globe, why we, why we support a church plant in Haiti, in a dark place like Haiti, why we are getting involved in Mexico City, in a dark place of 29 million people, where dark strongholds are, exist in those places unlike here. We are planting churches to be the, bring the light of the gospel, where God's people like us will exist and live life lives of the light of the gospel. How do we know if we're growing in the faith is if we're shining brighter. If we're shining brighter for the Lord, for the Lord, that he might be seen by our life. But he goes on here, doesn't he? There's another parable. The second is like it, and he, he actually takes us back to an agricultural illustration. He's now really literally springboarding off the parable of the soils. How do we know if we're either growing or dying in the faith? It's we're shining brighter, but we're also sprouting upward. 
We're sprouting upward or maturing in the faith. We are bearing fruit. And so we know the parable of the soils. Here he takes us back. He says, the kingdom of God is if, if a man should scatter seed on the ground. That's what we're to be doing. So he takes us off our understanding, the teaching of that parable, and he, then he takes it a step further. He says, but then the farmer, he goes to sleep at night. And he wakes up. Why? Because he trusts the Lord, the one who grows it. See, it would be a miserable existence to live as an anxious farmer, to go and scatter seed and then uh, all day wring your hands wondering, is it gonna, is it gonna come? Is it, is, it gonna, uh, is it gonna rain? Are my, are my crops going to come up? It, it would be a miserable existence. Farmers, if anything, are the most patient people on the earth. They have a deep and residing faith because their very livelihood, their existence, their food, their provision exists. They trust the Lord. And so farmers, the one who scatters seed goes to sleep and does not sleep the sleep of anxious toil, but trusts the Lord. And he sees it sprouting and he knows not how because it is the Lord who causes the growth. See, Jesus is teaching this principle and Paul, like he did in Philippians with the first truth, Paul picks it up and teaches the Corinthians this. In 1 Corinthians 3, there was some, uh, some debate, some arguing uh, um, in the church about who they would follow. There were some like denominational type arguments and divisions happening. And Paul reminds them, he says, what is, then is Apollos? This is 1 Corinthians 3, 5. He says, what is Paul? Who are they? They are servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. It is God who has given them this great assignment. Then he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God, what did God do? He gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. See, we work hard, yes. We do uh, the job that God has given us. We carry out the responsibility. We use our gifts that God has given us as good stewards, but it is God. It is God who causes the growth. And he can be, he's doing that in our life, and he's doing that in the lives of the people that we know. And so with that truth, with that understanding, look where, where he takes us, verse 28. This is back into Mark chapter four. He says, the earth produces itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And he's referring to these stages of spiritual growth. See, it is right, it is, it is a reality that we are growing in the faith. When you first come to the Lord, when that seed falls on the good soil and it sprouts up, what comes first? Just that little blade, right? Anybody plant any seeds around their house lately? This spring, have you put some seeds in the ground or had some? We've got some in our backyard. Our kids planted some morning glories and things. And even yesterday, Jem was like, Daddy, it's sprouting. It's sprouting. Although hers, what did she plant? Sunflowers or something. Pansies. She planted pansies. Okay. They're starting to sprout. And the same is true in a Christian life. When the gospel takes hold in our heart, first we're just like a little sprout, a little blade. And as we continue to grow in the Lord, as we continue to read our Bible, as we continue to hear the word proclaimed, as we continue to worship and grow, then that, that little blade then matures and continues to mature. And the Christian life is one of maturing all the way till the harvest of our life when God calls us home. How do we know if you're growing in the faith as if 
you're sprouting upward. You're not the same that you were when you first came to faith, maybe a year ago, maybe a decade ago, maybe 30, 40 years you've been in the faith. But there is slow, consistent growth and fruit in following Christ. Are you sprouting upward? Are you maturing in the faith? Are the the deeds of following the Lord becoming evident in your life? See, all genuine believers mature in the faith. We are all growing in our love for the Lord in our heart, soul, mind, and strength. All believers are growing this way, and that's one of the marks that we are not the same person. Praise the Lord for this, isn't it? Praise the Lord that we are not the same person we were a year ago, 10 years ago, but that God is causing the growth in our life, that the gospel is continuing to bear fruit, to mature us as we press into the things that God has given us to grow, the fertilizer of faith. And see, this is a, a, not just a personal thing, but it's also a corporate thing. Churches, all genuine churches mature in the faith as we continue to go deeper into the scriptures, as our uncommon community gets even more tight, as our worship goes more vertical, as our prayers become more fervent, as our proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ becomes more reflexive, we grow and mature in the faith as a body of believers. And praise God for that. Praise God for that, that he is doing his good work even here among us now. Praise God. Praise God for maturing in the faith. The third parable here is like it as well. Continuing with an agricultural illustration, how do we know whether we're growing or dying in the faith? It's if we're shining brighter, if we're sprouting upward, and we are increasingly useful. We are increasingly useful in the Lord. He goes on, he says, what can we compare the kingdom of God? What is a parable shall we use? And he uses a very specific illustration, the illustration of a mustard seed. Now he makes this, some, some like uh, skeptics get all like bent out of shape about this, this verse here. Because Jesus is saying that the mustard seed is the smallest seed on the earth. And they, you can look and say, no, no, it's not. The orchid seed is actually the smallest, the most minuscule seeds of all the things. And that is true. But Jesus isn't stating a scientific fact here. He's making a spiritual point of the size differential. See, a mustard seed, nobody can doubt, is very tiny. And it might have very likely been the tiniest seed that they had, and they knew to the people that he was teaching. But the point here is the size differential, that this very minuscule seed now grows to heights of upwards of of 10 to 12 feet tall. Sometimes if the rain was good, if it was a great year, it could grow even as high as 15 feet. And that's greater when you think of like an ear of corn, you know, which is a pretty big uh, kernel, and it can grow, you know, six, eight feet tall. But here, this tiny seed now becomes this massive, almost tree-like plant so much so that it is strong, that it provides shade, it provides a a home for the birds. And so he, 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 he shows this, he says that here it's this small thing that grows to very big. And in so doing, he uses a very, a, a very specific illustration of a mustard plant. Because what is, what is a mustard plant good for? What is its use? Mustard, mustard that's right. <laughs> that's right, to make good mustard. Think they had mustard back in those days? Maybe. Maybe in the same way that we know it, I don't know. But they would use this herb to provide flavor and seasoning to their food. 
Now, some of y'all don't like mustard. There's some in my family, I won't name names, but there's some in my family that don't like mustard. Like, how can, I, I know! <laughs> how can one not like mustard? Yeah. Especially if you've been to Chicago and have a Chicago dog, you know, with mustard and onions, like, none of this ketchup stuff. But mustard brings flavor and seasoning to our food. The plant also is a, a place of refuge, a place of safety for the birds of the air to be away from predators. A mustard plant is a place of new birth as birds would make their nests and lay their eggs and reproduce the next generation of birds. Jesus is using an example of our life. How do we know if we're growing in the faith? It's that we're increasingly useful. That, uh, the, that the nature of our life, the influence and impact of our life is one of increasing faith, one of increasing flavor, and we're bringing seasoning to the people around us, seasoning for the good. That we are a place of refuge and safety for the oppressed. That we are a place of, of safety for those that are hurting. That we are a person that, can, uh, that, that loves well, that, are, that shepherd the people of God that God puts in our life that we are places of new birth, that we are, as individuals, we are seeing people come to faith. We are seeing new believers come, whether in our family or our coworkers. See, this is, the, this is how we know we are growing in the faith, that these things are increasingly true as we grow. As the gospel takes its root in our life, these things are increasing in our influence. This is not just a personal thing, but here again, this is a church thing. This is a church thing. See, what's, what's really interesting, Jesus using this illustration and teaching them and teaching about the kingdom of God. He's telling his like small band of believers there, right? Not, it's his 11 disciples, maybe the women, some others are there, but what was once a small minuscule thing in the population of the earth at that time. I mean, some 2,000 years ago, maybe hundreds of millions of people existed on the globe at that point. Now it's like seven billion populate the earth right now, right? Like here, this is just like a little commercial break, but, uh, but sociologists say that, that half of the people that have ever existed in history are alive right now. As, as, as humanity has multiplied out and all that, like the seven billion, that's probably half of all humanity that's ever lived since Adam and Eve. That's kind of crazy, huh? Are alive right now. That's a side note, commercial break. But what, has, what, what was once just a, a small band, a small tiny seed, is now as we look at the church global, some estimates there's two billion believers, two billion across the globe that claim Christ. Maybe that might be a generous number, I don't know, how do you know, only heaven knows, right? But nobody can dispute the fact that the church is this massive, global, multi-ethnic, multi-generational movement of God's people in almost every tribe, tongue, and nation that exists on the earth. Now there are places, there are corners of the globe that we are, are trying to get to, no doubt. But God is at work. Even if, even if it seems that Christian uh, numbers and, is, are declining in the states, that those numbers are the exact opposite, opposite in places where the persecution is the hottest. Places like China and India and Latin America, that believers are coming in mass to Christ. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord. What was once just this tiny little seed is now this massive plant 
that is uh, bringing flavor and seasoning to the various cultures of our earth, that is a, a safe place and a refuge to the oppressed and the hurting across the globe, that is seeing new birth happen in our midst, among God's people, in our bodies of believers. Beloved, this is why we exist. This is why we exist, to be increasingly useful to the Lord here in our city and across the globe. This is why we plant churches. This is why we exist, that as the kingdom of God is growing across the globe, that we would see what was once a small mustard seed now be a massive plant useful to the Lord. Do you see this in your own life? You see in your own life, as you are growing in your understanding of God's word, as you are growing in your love for the Lord, as you are growing in your compassion for God's people, is your usefulness to the Lord increasing as well? Where the margins of your life are increasingly being given to the Lord's purposes, the Lord's work, the Lord's way, knowing that that labor is not in vain. See, this is the mark of a believer, of our life being in the good soil, of the gospel having taken root in the good soil of our heart, that we are growing. And Jesus, he, he concludes this section here by saying there's many uh, such parables he spoke the word to them. Apparently he was teaching in lots of parables and they were able to hear it. But he didn't. He, then, he didn't speak to them without a parable having to explain them with his disciples. See, Jesus was using this method of teaching and preaching to great impact to see this small seed grow in massive, massive numbers to what it is today. Beloved, we are either growing or dying in the faith. Where are you this morning? Where are you this morning? What fuel do you need? What, what fertilizer is needed in your life? As you, as you examine your own life and as you hear Jesus' parables uh, proclaimed this morning, are you at a place where you need encouragement? Where you know, yes, God's, God's word has taken root in my heart. I am growing, I am growing, but I'm in a season of difficulty. The sun is shining. The heat is being turned up. I do want to quit do you need some encouragement today? That it's gonna be okay? That Christ is alive today? That his promises are still true to you today? Do you need some encouragement that the Lord knows tomorrow? That the Lord knows the integrity of your heart? That the Lord knows what, that, that you are trying to seek him with all that you have? Do you need a reminder today that God's grace is complete and full and lavish and abundant on you who believe? Do you need some encouragement, some fertilizer in the faith of your heart to continue growing, to put some more fuel in your lamp? Don't forget the truths that we love and proclaim today. Do you need some equipping? You're like, yeah, I want to grow. I want to grow. I'm, I'm new. I'm, I'm here. I don't need encouragement. I'm good. I, I, I just need to know how. I need to know where. I need to, I, I need to know. I, I, I just need someone to, to point me in the right direction. Do you need some equipping? We can do that. We've got all kinds of equipping. That's why we exist. That's why we have the ministries that we do, like small group. And that's why we get in God's word. That's why we pray for one another. That's why we offer studies. That's why we uh, do our, our podcast 
to equip you to do the work of the ministry that God has called you to do, to continue to grow in your faith. If you need help in that, if you need direction in that, that's why we are here, is to help equip you to carry out the responsibilities that God has given you, whatever they may be in your home, in your work, in your community. Do you need some encouragement? Do you need some equipping? That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. Let's not leave today without uh, getting one of those things from the people that are among us this morning. Beloved, Jesus gave this clear, central truth to these parables. We're either growing or dying in the faith. There is no in between. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the scripture teaches. Let's pray now.